0: Welcome adventurers and knowledge seekers. We are your guides, Goose and Ash. Hello! Take a map and a torch, but whatever you do, please do not feed the gelatinous cube as we enter the The Crypt of of knowledge. Knowledge. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Crypt of Knowledge. I am your host, Goose, and as of lately, we have our co-host back with us, Blake. How are you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing very well. How are you, Goose?
0: I'm doing really well. We have a fun topic to talk about tonight, don't we?
1: Yeah, fun for (laughs) the DMs who are listening. Uh, I'll be deferring to you on most of this information.
0: It's it's not fun for us DMs either. Pacing is one (laughs) of the difficult things to get right in any campaign so it's something we have to talk about and it's something that we constantly practice as dms but i wouldn't say it's a fun topic for sure
1: no i can see it you know being a difficult subject
0: yeah so when we talk about pacing we're really talking about multiple parts there is combat pacing which we have to take into account everyone's aptitudes and there's session pacing which is really up to the players. The DM can kind of guide them, but it's really up to the players on that pace. And then there's plot pacing or overall campaign pacing. So that's more of a long-term thing that the DM really has control over. So we'll talk about all three of those tonight and then throw in some overland travel pacing too. Why not?
1: Why not? We're sort of going from the micro to the macro here.
0: Yeah, and the the Overland we've talked a little bit about when we did our episode with the random encounters. So we've talked about Overland quite a bit. uh, But we will go through the pacing portion of it tonight because we really didn't didn't touch on that when we talked about it last time.
1: No, saving saving the good stuff for later.
0: There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll talk first about handling pacing in general. How do you know if pacing is off? How do you, as a player, when you're sitting there, can you feel if the pacing is off?
1: Definitely. it's And maybe it's just because I've been playing for so long, but it's you can feel when things are floundering or when there's a lull. And sometimes it's it's in there on purpose. It's Like we'll cover later, sometimes downtime is a good thing. But when you can tell there's a big difference between downtime and sort of just restless and mindless meandering.
0: Yeah, and, and we have a good example. We had our Halloween it's not a one shot it was worked into our, our campaign but we had a Halloween session not too long ago and in there I thought the pacing was going great we had moved through it we'd planned for about two and a half hour three hour session and it was, it was coming along nicely until we got to the end and this was a pacing that fell onto me because I did not put enough context clues for the final <laughs> battle there was there was not any weapons really involved and you were having to use your wits to determine the things that you had gathered up and how to use them
1: no magic no weapons
0: no and i didn't put enough clues so there's some awkward pauses in combat and everyone going well i don't know what to do do you know what to do so that's an example of that combat pacing and really the whole session pacing because there were a few parts that we just kind of skipped over. And I, as a DM, didn't redirect you guys in a, in some type of way to get to everything you needed to, to finish the battle.
1: Sure. And, and I know, me personally, I'm not great with puzzles. I don't even really enjoy them all that much. So when I'm in a situation like that, especially in a game like Dungeons & Dragons, oh my goodness, <laughs> I feel so lost. So I'm glad that there were some other people, some of our other players are a little better suited for stuff like that
0: (laughs) that's fair and it takes a a group dynamic to get a lot of those puzzles and i don't use a lot of puzzles for that exact reason it's puzzles in game are always so awkward because you're like well am i challenging the player or am i challenging their character and it's a big difference between the two (laughs) right some some of your basic knowledge
1: from player to character transfers
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but in the context of the game
0: you have to be really careful about what you use Yeah, if I'm giving you a a math puzzle in front of you, that's challenging the player, not the character. Yeah, but
1: I don't want an 8-intelligence barbarian figuring out the answer.
0: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, challenging the player is, is something completely different. It should always stay focused on challenging the character. And that gets difficult, because how do you technically do that? But we're not talking about puzzles today. We're just... Say and that's what caused. We'll Say that problem. for another time. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We'll break a whole nother episode down on how to do puzzles and fail at them. <laughs> Look,
1: be looking forward to that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, how do you know if the pacing is off
1: as a dungeon master or a game master?
0: So a lot of times, uh, dungeon masters struggle to find good stopping spots for sessions. That's one thing that can kind of crop up is, you know, if you always think you're playing for three hours and then it's always three and a half hours, or two and a half hours, or, you know, you're just roundabout-ish, your DM may be struggling for the pacing. It may not always be completely on the DM. Sometimes, as we get into it, we'll talk about the players have some control over the pacing. But you can tell the pacing is off when you're not ending close to the time. Now, sometimes you get, you know, really engrossed in a situation and everyone forgets what time it is. It happens. (laughs) But that's one of the situations where you can kind of tell where pacing is off. If you're not ending on time most of the time you can find you're going through what you had planned for a session too fast Uh, so i try to plan a couple of sessions in advance but you just never know where the players will go so it's not always possible but i rarely find myself in a situation where i don't have enough in front of you there are ways you can you know stretch things out there are ways you can challenge the players to rp more so in three- or four-hour sessions, it's fairly easy to make your pace fit. But when you're having long sessions, eight hours, ten hours of a session, that gets difficult. Uh, there are times where you might not have enough prepared, and you have gone through it. So this is where you have to be able to improvise. But not finding enough content in each session is another good way to know the pacing is off.
1: I think that would that's probably the big one, because in preparing for a session like that, you don't know how much, you know, I, you're one of the most well-prepared DMs that I've ever played with. We can do anything as players and there's going to be something there for us to find, something for us to do, somebody to talk to. And I've run some games, so I, I know how difficult that can be. And I've got a buddy of mine right now who is running uh, for his first time a module and we play for seven or eight hours And it's one thing that he's, I'm not going to say he's struggling with it because he's not, he's doing a fantastic job, but it's definitely one of those things I've, I've had conversations with him about it, how, you know, be prepared for this and this, but know that it can quickly go off the rails.
0: Yeah. And he's got at least a safety net of having the module. And I know you and I have talked, he's adding a lot into it and a lot of homebrew stuff to, to make all the characters feel more involved, but at least he has the safety net of the module there. So if he has run out of everything, he's homebrewed for it, he still has what's left in the module to fall onto and, and move forward. But it does take a lot of improv from a DM when you're running longer sessions because you'll just never be able to fully flesh out a world to have enough stuff to go to in response to what your characters choose to do. If you railroad them, sure, you can do it. But, you know, railroading's not very fun for even the DM.
1: No, sometimes it's necessary, because sometimes our players just get kooky like that. <laughs> but I, I know it's, it's one of those things, there's a stigma about railroading in the fandom.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, every game has rails. It has to. Has to. It just depends on how strictly you stay on those rails. Will you take a few jumps off the track and <laughs> go somewhere you didn't plan? <laughs> or, or what will happen? And sometimes the players just graciously follow that track straight for you not often <laughs> but yeah, it, happens. Yeah, it happens
1: it happens <laughs> enough to get credit for it
0: <laughs> yeah and, and then you get in those wonderful situations where you're in some kind of dungeon delve and then there's not much but straightforward path so you know those, those are the times where us as dms can take our reprieve and go okay i know exactly what we're doing for the next session or two <laughs> just
1: breathe for a minute
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> Another way that you can know your pacing is off, you find your players aren't keeping up or aren't interested. And that's the biggest one for a DM. And it's hard because us as DMs a lot of times get that imposter syndrome. And and we think, hmm, are we really good DMs? We're not really that good. Look at the people like Matt Mercer and all those other people who are so good. (laughs) We're not good. So sometimes you can think too much into it and you think your players aren't interested but they they might be just concentrating or something else that, that's got a weird look on their face. So, you know, I always check in with you guys every few sessions or so about how you think things are going. What could we do to improve, especially in the campaign we're running now, which is political intrigue, which I have never done before. So, you know, checking in with your players if you feel like you're you're losing them or if they're not paying attention or just not keeping up. Political intrigue has a lot of names of people. And so there are a lot of things to keep up with as so-and-so talked to so-and-so and and -and so-and-so said this about so-and-so. So So we've come up with a a good system where we're, you know, trying to keep all those names in one place so you can reference them when you need be.
1: Yeah, I think that that helps a lot. We sort of have this unspoken little black book all of our characters keep on. (laughs) it,
0: It helps because it can get confusing when there's... How many districts? Ten districts, and you've got somebody yeah. running each district, and there's all the shop owners in every district, and
1: three different political parties.
0: Yeah, it it's a lot, so it's becoming convoluted very quickly. So, but just you know, keep a check with your players. It it's not something you have to constantly do. Don't ask them after every session. You should get a pretty good feel on a if your players keep coming back to play. True. <laughs> and and B, they'll they'll tell you, man, that was good. Can't wait for next week or whatever it is. They'll give you some feedback, but checking in every now and then is good too.
1: I was going to ask what is sort of a metric that you can use to sort of if you get the feeling that your players might not be. I guess it feels sort of obvious, but you as a DM, how do you how do you gauge that?
0: So it, it's it's difficult. I don't know that there is one single thing that you could you could do if you if you're looking at the players and constantly having to remind them of something, say the quest that they're supposed to be on or the people that they have met. If you're constantly having to remind them, A, make sure they're taking notes (laughs) because some people just don't take notes. Take notes, people. Yes, important and it's easy. But the other one is at that point, you might have the conversation with them and say, okay, have I thrown too much at you? Do you know as a player, not as your character, do you know where the main story is supposed to be heading? Or do we need to slow down and have some NPCs come and talk to you and say, hey, here's what that other guy meant to tell you more succinctly and couldn't. So, <laughs> you know, NPCs are great for things like that.
1: No, I think that's a great tool. If, if they're not quite on track, just send, send a random NPC. This is Greg, and he's going to fill you in on what you should be doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's trial and error. That's, that's all you can do as a DM. Everything is trial and error becomes more difficult as you start adding in more options for the players. So, you know, we talk about not going on rails. You also don't have to give them 15 side quests. You know, two or three or maybe one for each character to have their own personal side quests. But don't... <laughs> I've done it before, so I take this as, as what it <laughs> is. Don't put a quest board in the middle of your town <laughs> that constantly every day gets refreshed with new quests for people to do. You know, there may be mundane and stupid things like, go find my chicken. But still, don't give them those options. Just give them one or two and keep them on the main track as best you can. Yeah, there have been
1: a couple times, it was in the previous campaign, where there would be a moment where, I think maybe it was after a session, we, would, we had been talking about this, the previous session, and you'd say something like, yeah, there were about, like, eight things <laughs> that y'all could have been doing, like, people to talk to, things to go, I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah there were a lot of options in that last one it, it was kind of uh y- you know it was a, a city builder basically so it, there were a lot of options you can always spend time in your city you could explore the country you were trying to build in and all those things and the political part of that one too which wasn't huge but there was part of that so yeah there were there was a lot going on there and that was kind of by design you know you guys had to choose a or B, and C and D just didn't happen because you couldn't get to them. So not everything could be completed in that kind of situation.
1: Definitely. And it didn't ever feel like there was too much. Like, that campaign had a lot of direction. We were really into those characters and into our task as characters. So it never felt like that, but it was just funny that that time that you mentioned, yeah, there's like 10 things, <laughs> man. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> ten little people standing around the town with exclamation points over
0: their heads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had to go, and we've we've switched to using Foundry, and so we have gotten quest logs now, so it's a little easier to keep up with what quests are out there for you guys to to run and do things. But I think we only have two or three right now going in the campaign we're in, so we we've, we've narrowed it down and keep it a little more streamlined.
1: There's a balance to it where that we're still trying to discover. I think because all this is new for all of us.
0: Yeah, and I love giving options. I It's more work for me. I get it. But I love giving the players that agency to really take control of the game and do with it what they want.
1: And I guess in some ways, really smart players have a way of throwing that off even more so.
0: Is that well, right? They do. There's lots of ways that a smart player can affect the pacing of your game. If, for instance, you had a puzzle and you thought, well, this is going to take... 30 minutes or so and it will lead into a combat and so this will be an hour or hour and a half of our session is this one little section and then the smart player immediately figures it out and then uses his charismatic <laughs> character to talk down the combat and so your hour and a half has now shrunk to 15 or 20 minutes. Ah okay yeah that makes sense. Yeah that could really throw off your pacing if something like that happens. We had an instance of that a couple of campaigns ago I think it was right before you joined us where one of our characters was really charismatic and they were skirting the Underdark. They weren't really in it. And there was an Earth Elemental down there. And he was, I think it was going to be uh, considered a a deadly fight if they were having to fight him. But they were able to literally have a conversation. And I can't remember off the top of my head what exactly happened or how he had the conversation with it. But he was able to convince it that they just needed to pass by and they were on their way up and out and leaving and not to be messed with. He had some good rolls, and again, it didn't mess terribly bad with the pacing because it was still in a dungeon atmosphere, so they just moved on to the next couple of rooms and they wound up having a combat. But, yeah, it it took probably 45 minutes out of of my session where that was planned to be a fight.
1: Yeah, and that can be a little bit of a curveball if you've got, we play in two or three hour chunks. So you're like, yeah, this will take 45 minutes, and they just skirt right
0: by it. Yeah. Yeah, so smart players, and there's nothing wrong with them. I love having smart players in the group. I love RP in situations, you know, you don't always need combat. But you as a DM just have to be prepared to to change the pacing up when that happens.
1: Because stuff like that can happen.
0: (laughs) Quite often, actually, quite often. (laughs) (laughs) So that's general pacing. But when we talk about combat pacing in general, if you're just having a, a, a combat scenario and you're in the middle of it, combat pacing depends on two things. The number of monsters and the number of players. I know that sounds pretty simple and cut and dry. I mean, that's the game, right? Monsters versus players. But the reason D&D, a d D&D party is for people is because of pacing. Everything that they have designed this game around is meant for four people. When you throw it off with five players or three players or something else, that can really mess with the pacing really quickly.
1: And that's when the challenge rating starts to get thrown off too.
0: Challenge rating. Yeah, you know.
1: Crap crap rating, sorry. <laughs> there
0: you go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it can most definitely, it gets difficult to balance your combat. It's not terribly hard to do, especially again, trial and error. We've said it at the beginning, we're going to say it a bunch of times, everything's trial and error. And once you've figured out your party and how smart they are, how tactical they are, then you can start to figure out the right balance of monsters and everything that go go in there to no matter how big the size of the party.
1: Yeah, because I think four just feels natural. And I, I'm thankful that my the the game that my buddy's running right now is well, we've got four players. I'm wiping through combat, so I we'll see if he adjusts to that. But <laughs> You know, I think that's a good thing for him because, you know, rolling encounters and doing that sort of thing, all of that should fall right in line with whatever the, the module is that he's using.
0: Yeah, so the module, again, will help him there. It should tell him exactly how many monsters to throw at you. He doesn't have to worry about it. Now, again, he will have to adjust at some point because you are an experienced player. And if you help the group as your rogue, you, you guys will eventually become pretty efficient and tactical. So at that point, he might have to adjust. Now, it's milestone leveling, so he can control the pace there too. But there's always, again, you know, it boils down to how many players, how many monsters. And adding in more players, you know, we've played with three, we've played with four, and we played with five. But adding more players usually means you have to add in more monsters to just make it effective enough to, that they feel challenged in that combat.
1: Definitely, and and sometimes the difference in just one
0: or two creatures is enough to really drag a fight out. Yeah, our last campaign, every combat you guys did was at least considered hard. Majority of them were considered deadly, based on your levels and based on CRs, but you guys also had a lot of powerful weapons and armor. And you were very tactical. You worked well as a team. You were a well-balanced group of four players. So, you know, I could throw those at you knowing it's not really going to be a deadly encounter for your group. Again, CR isn't really great to do that. But, you know, it, it really all depends on how smart the players are. <laughs> We've said it once. We'll say it again. But, <laughs> you know, a good balanced combat should last 30 minutes to an hour. That sounds about right. For four people. If you're going to put more people in there, it's obviously going to last a little bit longer. But with four people, it should round out in five to six rounds tops in 30 minutes to an hour. You know, a round is five, six, seven minutes. You know, so you do the math, and every group is slightly different. But once you get past an hour in the same combat, you're going to start losing people. Because people are having to wait for their turn and let the other people go. And they got to wait on all the monsters. And they've been doing the same thing, especially if they're low level. They've been just swinging that sword for five or six rounds already, mm-hmm. and it just gets boring. So, you know, this is where you have to be creative, not just with throwing a combat at them, but giving them scenarios in the combat as well. There's there's more ways to win a combat than just kill everybody. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that.
1: Yes, you are. <laughs> and I want to add, too, that that's a thing, not just on DMs, but on players as well, is... When it's about to be your turn, be thinking about what you're going to do. Know what your spells do. Have an idea about the next move that you're going to make because that is one thing. You know, the 30 minutes to an hour thing, in the last campaign, we, we're we all experienced players. So turns would go by really quick. But sometimes if you've got newer players and they're still learning the mechanics and what modifiers to add and, and such, that can really drag on. If everyone's taking five, six, seven minutes to do a turn, and that starts adding up
0: yeah it's easy as a player to get engrossed especially when you've got a good player that's that's doing something at the table and, and they're rping or whatever they're doing just doing creative things on their turn it's easy to get caught up in just watching and listening and there are also players that really want to wait to know what the person in front of them did to know where to direct their attack and what to do so what you said is, is really important, though. You need to at least be thinking a turn ahead all times. Y- you know, you may change your target. You may change your spells the last time. But if you know your spells well enough, or if you know your actions well enough, it doesn't take but a minute or two to swap them. And every campaign, every player is eventually going to go and go, oh, man, I should have done that on my turn. It just happens. It happens all the time. <laughs> but if we sat there and played this like a chess match where we all sat there and stroked our chin and we pondered every move we made before we did it, the game would last forever and it just wouldn't be fun for anybody to, to have to wait that long.
1: Yeah, there's a, a reason a turn is six seconds.
0: You know, it's, it's how it's supposed to be. Combat happens
1: quickly in-game. So it's, it's one of those things that if you can keep your turns quick and succinct, then it feels it's going to feel natural. There's going to be a
0: good flow to it, and preserving that flow is important for DMs and players. Yeah, when you think about it, if you're in the middle of a a heated combat, you're not going to have a lot of time to think about your moves anyway. So if you put yourself in your character's position, they have to make split-second decisions on what they're about to do and what's coming at them and who they're going to attack and what's happening around the battlefield. So if you'll keep that in mind, obviously we don't have to do it as quick as your as your character would, sure, <laughs> but having something in your mind and prepared it just helps keep that pacing moving right along Now, I said playing chess that brings up a good idea. Let's put timers and we hit the timer every time it's our turn and we have like 30 seconds to finish our moves, like just like in chess.
1: <laughs> That's like a like extreme difficulty. Combat, that's good. I like that, actually. It's like speed dating, with speed combat. (laughs) And see, that's one of those things, too. It's just a little thing that DMs can do to really help that, as far as players go, players should be paying attention. But if, when a DM announces whose turn it is, if they let everyone know who's on deck, if you're a CR CR fan, then you, I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of that. But we've started doing that, and it's, Foundry does it for us, too. Yeah. it That really helps. Because it's, you know, so, combat takes a while. So sometimes there are little lulls and you might get a little distracted or, you know, check that notification or whatever. <laughs> so it's good to know, like, oh, like I'm up next. I need to be thinking about this.
0: Yeah, and Founder does a great job of that. We've got some some modules in there that actually automate it, so it gives you the a really loud notice notification in your ear when you're up next, and then another really loud notification when it is your turn. So it, it's difficult to miss, which gives you that few extra seconds to be able to think. Oh wait, okay, I've been watching. Now I got to really think about it. So if you're using a virtual tabletop, there's lots of things you can do there. But like you said, even if you're DM, you, you know you've got to keep up with the turn order yourself as a DM. So you're looking right at the page. Just tell them who's next. It's that simple. Yeah, I I think that helps a lot. It's something that, you know,
1: none of us are perfect. Sometimes I get distracted, and then that that helps me a ton. It's just a little thing, little thing people can do.
0: Everyone gets distracted. DMs get distracted. (laughs) It's okay. It's no big deal. You'd be surprised how many times I'll be over here trying to look at the monster and figure out what their moves are going to be next, and you guys are saying you're doing something. I'm like, oh, yeah? That? Okay, read that to me. What does it do? (laughs) (laughs) Because... I'm either buying time or just half listening to what's going on. So <laughs> that's a beautiful little insight into your into your mind right there, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> uh, fun times, but keeping combat pacing moving is important, more so for the players because they're going to lose interest the longer it runs. And then for the DM, it's important to keep your pacing as best you can because you've probably planned that part out. And if they run through it in two seconds flat, then you're just going to wind up having to improvise way more than you need to. And then that can sort
1: of branches into session pacing,
0: you know, the next step up from there.
1: And that can be a little more difficult if you're running through combat and you know, you have a certain amount of time, then you're sort of left, you know, grasping for straws.
0: Yeah. This is where knowing your players comes in handy. Again, we started with trial and error. This is trial and error as well. It will take you a few sessions to get it figured out because there will be some players that really want to take their time and some players that really want to RP after every little thing. So you finish combat, the group's got to RP about it. What did we learn from it? What are we doing next? What do we find? And, and they're going to search every little corner. So after a few sessions, you should be able to get a really good feel of how much time your character or your players are going to spend doing other things outside of the, what you've got planned. I am, very blessed to have you guys as a group because rp is easy with you guys oh shucks (laughs) i give you one little nugget and you guys can run with it and that helps a lot it also makes it a little difficult on my pacing while i know you guys are going to rp a lot and there's times that i can just sit back and say nothing and let chaos begin because you guys (laughs) sometimes make it better quest lines than i did it's difficult because you know, again, this is where when I have a session or two ahead planned, I may wind up being three or four sessions ahead by the end of it because you guys have extended the session pacing more than I anticipated, which is where I usually end up. There there are a lot of DMs that end up on the short end, but you can also end up on the long end and, and having things that might have to carry over to another session.
1: Yeah, that's something that I really like to I'm one of those people who who will RP immediately after pretty much every little thing. Because it it breathes more life into not just the session and everything else, but but it gives everybody a little more breathing room. It, it's improv; it's right off the cuff. I have a little more experience with that. Like I, I'm a theater kid, so so I'm sort of able to do the double think. Like my mouth can move and my brain can think other things. So yeah. it's I'm, I'm preparing and just sort of killing time. But that's what that's what's fun about the game to me. So I like I like filling in those little moments with just mindless
0: chit chat or what have you. <laughs> When you think, again, putting yourself in your character's shoes, you're not just going to run around a town or a dungeon and killing things and never saying a word to each other. It's yeah, not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs>
1: just running from keep to keep in silence, kill some goblins,
0: silence. Yeah. Like. A grunt every now and then, or a <laughs> thumbs up. <laughs> I mean, it, So there's, there's lots of things the players can be doing. It's up to the group to how in-depth they get. But again, that's just knowing your players, and hopefully they will be there to help you out. Again, we said in general pacing terms, your players and their RP can save you a lot of times because you may wind up on that short end and you'll be like, mm, well, did you search by the well? And like, oh no, we didn't see the well. Oh yeah, look at the well on the map and <laughs> let them search it and just, you know, make a big description and then let them think for 15 minutes that there's something in the well when there's really not because that's the way players think. So That's a good little tip. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of ways that you can just use your descriptions and use your player's ability and their want to RP against them.
1: Yeah. And that's just knowing your party.
0: Yep. Yeah. That's what it all boils back to. But you also have to know yourself as a DM. How descriptive do you get? How many checks do you make them roll? Do you literally have to roll every time they ask if they see something? Do they have to roll to investigate every single item in the room? Or is it one investigation for the entire room? And I've used various kinds and and combinations of those things. But, you know, I generally don't make you guys roll a ton. It's It's a nice balance. Yeah, there's probably 10 to 15 checks that are outside of combat in a, an entire session. So, you know, it's it's not a ton, but if it's something where, A, I didn't have anything planned, <laughs> and <laughs> I need you to roll so I can think something up real quick, <laughs> or B, I don't know, you guys are 500 yards away. Could you really see the B on top of the tree from 500 yards away? Give me a perception check. <laughs> <laughs> so, if the odds are that it can't be done, or again, that's, um, sometimes... Just seeing if there's anything really there for you. When I didn't have anything planned, if you roll well enough, I might throw a bone uh, or come up with something. So those are some some ways to do it. But just just know how you DM. I don't get super flowery. I try to give decent descriptions, but I let your guys' imagination handle more of it. I don't I don't get really flowery with my descriptions. So I I know that I don't when I introduce a room or something, I'm not going to take fifteen minutes to do it. No, I think that's true. You give
1: nice. Little short, sweet, and to-the-point descriptions of things. It's enough to to give you a sense of your surroundings. And if you want to Matt Mercer it, sure. People, you know, describe every little thing. You know, give everything a little sound effect. Do whatever. But then, and if you need more time to be thinking about what's next or something like that, then sure. I mean, I mean do it however you feel. You know, however you have fun. But there's no super important need for that. Because I've seen it done both ways.
0: Yeah, it's just knowing how you want to do it. I will tell everybody, I I talk to a lot of people that that are learning to DM and give them advice, and I will always tell them to hit all the senses when you're making descriptions. And I do that even knowing full well that I don't. I hit (laughs) two or three senses on a description because, you know, if you are flowery every single time, and I'm going to talk about the way the air is heavy and it, it's a little hazy so you can't see very well and it smells musty and you're going through every sense every time you describe something the players will get bored with that you know they don't want to know how everything tastes there's no need well, for it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it it smells like love is in the air i don't <laughs> mm. and see i think that's one of those times where you know maybe you give them a two or three senses And then the players themselves should maybe be thinking, it depends on situation, but like, okay, well, you know, my druid as a direwolf with the keen senses, you know what I mean? That's sort of Mm -hmm. like an example. Like, well, what can I smell? Or what does it, what is this substance? Like, what does it taste like? And any of those things, it's like, we'll make a check for this. So that's sort of one of those things. You're not just handing them everything on a silver platter, make them work for it.
0: Yeah, our Halloween episode was a great example. We went in, and you guys were in a, this first room finding clues, and there was a wine bottle busted on the floor. And someone's like, oh, is that blood? <laughs> no, context clues. There's a <laughs> wine bottle. It was small. It was hard to see. But again, I was like, I don't know. Roll a check and taste it and see what it tastes like. Find out. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's those type of situations. You're exactly right. Let the players lead you into the rest of the descriptions that you need to give. You don't don't have to tell them everything. That kind of negates them trying to figure things out. Yeah, I mean, that
1: that makes sense to me. So when you've got the pacing of your session down and combat's been going good, how do you go about ending a session? How do you figure out
0: when's a good place? So every person, every DM, every campaign is going to be a little different, but find a good inflection point. That can be as simple as, hey, it's nighttime and you guys are going to sleep for the night. So that's where we're going to end tonight and we'll pick up in the morning, the day will be yours next time, or even a suspenseful spot. I know we've mentioned on here when I was DMing for the the children that I DM for, they literally fell off a cliff, and I said, "Well, I guess we'll find out what happens next time." And they were so <laughs> mad at me because, like, but we're falling. Like, I know, and you've got a whole week to think about what you do to try to stop falling. <laughs> so, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it is, but just find somewhere that's an inflection point. There's lots of times where we will stop right as we roll initiative, you know, and then we'll be like, okay, roll initiative and we'll have the, the initiative laid out. And they'll be like, all right, well, we'll start combat next week. So again, it gives you a whole week to think over what you just found and what you know you're about to come up against. It may be great for the DM because it builds a lot of suspense and trepidation. It may be great for the players because it allows you guys a whole week to talk and figure out a strategy. So, but finding an inflection point whether it's just something simple, but don't just cut it off in the middle of you're walking through the house. Okay, what do I see? Oh, I don't know. I'll find We'll find out next time. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> look at the time. We're going to have to. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit awkward. And that may be suspenseful if something just like crashed through the wall and they're like, oh, my gosh, what do we see? I don't know. You'll we'll find out next time. Find out next week on. <laughs> yeah, but make sure it's an inflection point. Don't just. <laughs> Make the session end on a on a mundane point. It feels kind of weird when you do that. But, you know, try to aim aim for always ending on time or as close to the greed upon time as you can. Sometimes it may have to be a few minutes early, sometimes it may be a few minutes late. But you know what's coming up in your mind. If there's a combat coming, if there's nightfall coming, if there's something else that feels like a natural stopping point coming, and just aim for that. You may have to push and rush it a little. There have been times where we've been like, "Okay, well, it's like seven o'clock at night," and I'll be like, "Okay, you guys do anything before bedtime?" <laughs> 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 if you guys, that's were, how I know
1: something's coming up?
0: <laughs> yeah, you guys are like, mm, no, no, I don't think so. Okay, cool. It's bedtime. You guys go to, to sleep for the night, and we'll continue next week. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, find those inflection points. You may have to push a little, but it, it's always good to end on an inflection.
1: It, that's probably one of those things that takes a little bit of practice it and does. seeing how your groups how your group plays and and all that. But within a couple sessions, you should probably have a pretty good idea of when is an appropriate time to stop, if not just on time.
0: Yep. And again, everything here we're talking about is trial and error. You'll figure it out by just doing it and getting to know your players and how you're DMing and just having conversations. So don't forget to have those conversations with your players. Yeah,
1: nobody's perfect.
0: And then we have plot pacing. The hardest of all because of just the grand scope of it you know you have to plan an entire six months one year two year three year however long you think this campaign will last you have to plan somehow to have a main storyline now that may have all been changed but you have to know some form or fashion who the bad guy is when it starts right yeah i mean you've got to have the i to say
1: schematic, the blueprint. You got to have the blueprint sort of laid out in in your mind of where they're going to start and where would you like them to at least end up. But but there's a there's a balance there to be found where once they sort of start to get into the campaign when they're hitting those plot hooks that you don't want to res- like reveal things too soon, is that right?
0: Yeah, you want to make sure that they are gaining enough information to keep them interested. They are Finding out what's going on in the first couple of sessions, you know, they, they really need to understand the main plot hook in this first sessions. But, you know, you don't want to give them so much information so quickly that it confuses them. And the perfect point was this political campaign. There was so much stuff that I wanted to throw at you, but I started simple before the campaign started. and just gave you a list of the 10 different districts and who ran them. And, you know, that's just 10 names that you had to know. And then one or two of you had contacts that you used as part of your background, and you had those names. So it was a small list. And in the first session, I think you gained maybe two more people that you met as NPCs. Yeah, just a few. And the next session, again, it was two or three. And so it's just kind of been building as we go, where you're meeting new people and having connections. And some of those are brought up by you guys as players. You wanted to know who the political rivals were in each district. So now you not only had 10, but then I haven't given you all the names, but there's 10 rivals that are running against them in a lot of districts. So they're, they're just kind of a slow build. But if I'd have dropped 40 names on you to begin with... Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been very difficult for you to follow or know which one was important where, where should we be going at this point with all these different contexts we've got it would just be chaos
1: yeah we're just we're just how many sessions are in are we three well Four? five
0: five we're on yeah I think five
1: because now I've been I've been doing a little thinking so I'm actually revealing this to you <laughs> right now uh, Uh-oh. I have been I've been doing some thinking now so like a lot of that stuff is really starting to formulate in my okay. those little pieces, do you know what I mean? So Yeah. So, like you said, if I had been given all of that information right from the very beginning, I mean, I would be completely lost. Yeah. But because there was that drip of information, that helped so much because now the picture is really starting to come together.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that matters. And in, in the opposite end, you don't want to go too slow. If I would have given you those 10 names and you have not met anyone else over the last four sessions, (laughs) you would be pretty boring. You'd be like, well, I'm tired of talking to Joe Schmo over here. I want to go find new people. Why can't we find new people? Uh, Same thing with not having new quests. If I had kept you just on one political quest chain since it started, you guys would be bored by now. But there are two or three other little side quests. Some are just personal ones uh, or other things. And there's a big one that's coming up in this next session that we run. So you have to be able to build slowly, but at the same time, not too slow that you lose your players' interests. Yeah, that that's probably another one of those things that is going to
1: take a little practice for, for newer DMs. But there's a, f- a really fine balance there. Yeah. It's not super difficult, but it's, it's something that you, you want to be aware of.
0: Yeah. Again, we talk every group is different. So, some people will want to move quickly. Some people want to stay on that one main path and just close out a storyline before they start the next one. So, fill it out, understand your players. Uh, but, you know, give direction through NPCs or other quests that players can do just to move forward. I've always found that if you can create some memorable NPCs and have the players form an attachment to them. Then you can use them in a in a myriad of ways, and one is to push your story narrative when you need to. We had a NPC you guys met on the dock that has become pretty famous right away. Oh, I love her. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> she she's a little brazen. She she's a little cocky, but yeah, she has a lot of information. A little cockney too. <laughs> that too. That too. But, yeah, she has a lot of information of a lot of things. She runs the docks, and everything comes through the docks. So you know how information is power, and she has a lot of it. So there there are a lot of things you can do with an NPC like that that, one, your, your players have, have gotten to like. And, two, you have put them in a place where them coming to the players with something powerful or a quest or something that changes the direction doesn't seem weird because it it seems like it would fit with who they are. Yeah, use use your NPCs wisely to keep your pacing moving. That's an an interesting point too. A little bit of a difference
1: between the campaign that we're running now the political and the kingdom builder before that that was a situation where the former, there were things where we were building infrastructure Mm -hmm. within the keep Mm -hmm. and it was going to take two weeks three weeks a month so there was sort of there towards the end we had started thinking of ways to sort of take advantage of like time skips in in a certain manner you know what i mean mm-hmm. so there there were periods of time where maybe nothing was going on but we really we need to sort of see this other thing through and we know how long that it's going to take and so we were, we were sort of jumping ahead every now and then like oh yeah we could probably kill three days crafting armor or the wizard needs to write something down in his spell book and it's going to take him however long so the the political one now is a little bit slower paced that one there was there was a lot going on and you were always trying to get to the next thing whereas the political one it's a it's much slower It, it feels like every day goes by and you're sort of taking each step through each day because your characters live here
0: yeah you're right the the kingdom builder had so many layers in it where you're right. You could start this process here and then you could go do this process here, still have time to make it back to this process here, and then make it back to your fort before the first process ended. So it was still about timing and pacing. You guys had to figure out how to get it all done in a timely manner, but you had the ability to do it. And like you said, even downtime in between, there were six days you guys killed where you just rode out to the coast for uh
1: in preparation for the date
0: yeah you, you had to ride out to the coast so you could bamp there with your spells but you had to see the place first so yeah there there were lots of things you guys were able to do knowing the grander time scale and the fact that this was a long overarching meant to take months and months in game time to do where now you're right you live here this is your city this is your daily life you're not Setting out to travel across the country and doing montages, you're literally here, so it's not one of those things where you can be like, well, we're all going to go sit around for three days in the bar and talk, (laughs) do nothing. Exactly. Stuff is happening. Yeah. The campaign would pass you by. The political things happening in the background would still be happening whether you chose to do them or not. So, you know, it's one of those things where, again, you have to understand if there are multiple quest lines, there are ebbs and flows. You can't always be on one thing. You can't always be political. You can't always be combat oriented. You can't always be RP. You have to be able to have the campaign ebb and flow so that you have breaks in between. You know, if you were playing a strictly horror campaign, you still have to mix in comedy every now and then. Or some kind of levity that you're not always in horror. Same thing in political. If you're mixing political, you still have to bring it out of that super serious time and 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 place and change it somehow form or fashion every now and then you just have to mix it up
1: it can't always be house of cards sometimes it has to be you know a little more (laughs) Deep. there you go thank you i was think i was trying to think of something (laughs) no that's it perfect that's exactly what i was thinking yeah
0: there you go yeah (laughs) there's there's a good balance if you can mix those two things together and and create a, a good synergy but it's tough. Basing is tough when you're you're thinking long term and it will get adjusted every week. You will you just have to understand not to give too much information too quickly and the opposite don't go too slow. Make sure that you're keeping the players interested with new bits of information a little bit at a time. That's slow drip feed. Yeah. And just like Goose said, talk to your players
1: not 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 ever after every session, but every now and then just touch base with them. See how they're feeling. Look for feedback or or not or sort of get a sense of how they're feeling about things moving forward
0: yeah there you go but that about covers the three basic pacings the combat session and plot pacing they all are separate they all will come together to form that pacing that you're looking for to keep your campaign moving forward it's not easy it's trial and error but you will get it within the first few sessions and then just kind of keep balancing it as you go through
1: yeah, you'll get better and better at it with each each session.
0: It's not difficult. It just takes time. But overland travel pacing, that's kind of different. Because it's an another bit that happens inside that session, inside that campaign. And it's going to boil down to, again, what does it mean for your campaign? Because players can travel for eight hours per day, unless they stretch themselves and take some exhaustion. And they can go between 18 and 30 miles, depending on their speed. So you can cover a pretty good bit of land every day. But that doesn't take into account any stops or combat along the way or, or detours, any of that other stuff that you make. But if you're just plotting straight ahead and going toward your target, you can make a pretty good pace in a day.
1: Yeah. Some parties are able to, to really cover quite a bit of ground. And I know, for example, like when my druid took off for six days, you know, I mean, he covered a great distance. Now He had a fly speed. Several different modes of flying, actually. But there was a way to... I don't think he got attacked or anything like that. I know I made
0: made checks on... You made a couple of survival checks. Yeah, you made a couple of survival checks to make sure you you stayed on the right track because you'd never been there before. But, again, you were keeping to the road. You weren't really pushing yourself too much. You were taking your time to get there. And, you know, it it wasn't something that I I really had you roll to see if you got attacked or anything on. You were by yourself, just, you know, one of those things where... And this is kind of the fly, the fine line. Do you need the travel to mean something in in your sessions in your in your campaign, or is the destination the whole point of the travel? And that's what you really have to determine when you're looking through it. Because you know, as a druid, you had a good survival checks. You weren't going to get attacked by much. You were going to find your way. You weren't going to get lost. All those things are so going going just fine. But what would have been the point for me to have a combat situation for you by yourself on the way? Would oh. it have helped the story at all? Because your three teammates were sitting
1: back at the fort. Yeah. I mean, they were
0: already just sitting there waiting for me to get done. <laughs> yeah. So it, it wasn't something that was integral to the story as far as the travel, but the destination was important because that's where it led to more RP during the date and all the other things. So you have to weigh that before you even begin determining how to pace your travel. Is it important or not? Is that something
1: where, because I, when we play in the Kingdom Builder, we were always on the move. So, pretty much every time that we were traveling, we usually at least go through the days. You know, like, we we might montage it a bit, but we definitely go through those steps. Do you think that that's important to at least at least getting to where you camp, at least doing that part of it? Like, you make it through the day just fine, like... And now it's time to camp. So, do you sort of go through that or can you skip all of that if you need to?
0: So, again, it boils down to what you're needing it to be in your campaign. In that kingdom builder, because you were coming into the bad lands that used to be a kingdom that now is just overrun with monsters and bad guys, traveling is part of the campaign. You are discovering new areas as you go, you are creating new locations because a lot of the stuff we did was random. So I had a list, and when you would do your survival checks, and depending on how you well you did there, there were two different random encounter things you could roll on. One might involve combat, and the other was just locations and weird things that could happen. So depending on how well you were traveling that day as to which one you got. But that was a major inflection in the campaign, was you discovering what the Badlands was. And how much it had changed since the 200 years ago when a map had been made of the place. So yeah, that that's why we played out. Usually we had a, a roll in the morning to get through through lunch. And then you had a roll in the afternoon to get you to the camp. And then we did role play during the camp. And sometimes we did night encounters and, and rolled for that. Not, not every time. Every now and then. But it was a major inflection in the campaign. Now, in the case where you, again, where you were traveling to just find the place, there was no point. It was an established place, you knew it was there, and you just needed to get there, so there was no point in playing all that out. We could have, but, but there was no point in it.
1: Right, the whole point was that we were discovering what was essentially uncharted territory, yeah. whereas in the other scenario, you're on traveled roads and in well-documented areas, so it's that's where you sort of had that leeway then.
0: Yeah, so there's no reason to really waste your players or your time by having some big, long, drawn-out travel scene when the point is to just get there. You can do several things. You can create a montage of your own and just give the description of a few things that they might have seen or done on their travel. You could have the players tell you what they would want to do on that travel, so they could maybe do some foraging on the way or whatever it is that they want to do, and some hunting, and they could replenish some stock. And you can have a few rolls there if you want to real quickly, a couple of rolls. And then, again, you give the montage at the end of how all those rolls add up into the travel. So travel pacing is important, first of all, on if it's important to to your campaign. So don't waste time and energy if it's not important. I, I have so many DMs that I know that try to put together travel scenarios when it means absolutely nothing. You know, if you're going to venture out into the wilderness to places you've never been, then yeah, it's important. If there are chances that you could uh, either see something new or run into bad monsters that could do something to change the campaign, it's important. But if you're following a road from A to B, not usually that important.
1: I think that makes a lot of good sense. You know, if you're going from one large city to one large city on on the King's Road, then it's very unlikely there are bandits camping it. Could be. I mean, if you really, you know... Maybe, but as far as pacing, if you're having trouble getting the idea about how quickly or slowly things should be moving, then these are things that you can take into account and adjust.
0: Yeah, and if your players have already been to a place before, unless something has changed in the campaign to where that area has changed, don't make them go at it twice. Even if it is important for travel and you're you're doing travel pacing and, and combat and stuff, if they've been there once before, don't do it again. It's the same road. They have been there. They understand it well. Unless they bypassed every combat and those things are still there and can <laughs> attack them again and you want to do that, then fine. But you know, if they're visiting a place again, don't don't do a combat. Don't don't do any kind of thing but just a travel montage. Okay, you left for the same city you just went to last week, and you make it just fine.
1: <laughs> That's why <laughs> I suggest the scorched earth approach and just torch everything <laughs> as you move across the road. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it going back.
0: There you go. You you never have to worry about anything if you kill it all the first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, pacing I think is one of the more difficult things for DMs to grasp, not to handle, but I think for them just to grasp the concept of of how to pace. All these different sections of the game, I think, is one of the harder things to grasp. But it's really trial and error and learning yourself as a DM, how much do I put into descriptions and making them roll, and then your players, how tactical and smart are they? That's really what it boils down to. If they can burn through your content quicker than you think, (laughs) then you have to do a little bit of extra planning. So you balance those two things out, and it becomes second nature. You don't have to worry about it after a little bit of time. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that you might not be thinking about at
1: first, and then maybe one or two sessions in, you're like, "Uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should have been thinking about that." And then by f- the fifth or sixth, you're probably getting a really good grasp on it.
0: Yeah, again, talk with your players, get the feedback. Not every session, but every now and then, just have some conversations with them. So, how how are you guys liking the campaign? What can I do better? You know, how how can the story improve? Are you guys interested in the story? All those types of things. Just just quick things to to make sure that everybody's on the same page
1: yeah I think you gave us a questionnaire
0: one time I did way back yeah that was a that was like I don't remember like 10 questions but I don't do that very often no I haven't seen one since then but it was good (laughs) yeah that was we had a couple of newer players I think that was when you were just starting that long after you'd started and, and everything so I think it was well warranted at the time just to get everybody's feel on the situation definitely definitely So, everybody be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on your favorite platforms. We really do appreciate it, and we say it every week, but it does help us out a lot. It helps us get noticed and seen, and it just makes us feel good. And you know, who doesn't like to feel good?
1: No, we love to feel good, and it helps us create more content for all the veteran and new players.
0: That's right. If you know somebody who is new to the game or is excited to get involved in the game, Make sure you let them know about our podcast. We would love for for them to listen to us. We'd love for you guys to interact with us as well. We do have a Discord. Everything will be in the show notes. You can sign up there. Or you can just find us on any of our socials, at dndcryptpodcast on every social you can find, pretty much. So hit us up. Ask us some questions. We may do a whole episode on just listener-submitted questions. That'd be fun. Yeah, don't be shy.
1: Send us anything you got. We can handle it.
0: But next week, we'll be discussing using resources. I know it's not fun, and I know there's a lot of people that don't do it. We don't use a lot of resources. Not really. But there are groups that do like to use resources and keep track of food, water, encumbrance, all those other resources, arrows and bullets, how many of those you keep. So we'll go through those and break them down, how they can be used, why it's okay to not use all of them even, and a lot of other things next week on the crypto knowledge. Good night, guys.